0: Welcome to God's Planning, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to God's Planning. My name is Father Patrick Briscoe, and I'm joined today by Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. Say hello to everyone, Father.
1: Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. Great to be with you.
0: I'm sitting here sort of nursing this terrible wound on my hand. No, it's just a small cut. I was oh, my bit- father
1: has a stigmata. It's very holy.
0: <laughs> it's, oh, I didn't even think of that. No, it's certainly not that. It it appeared by very natural rather than supernatural causes. I was at my sister's uh, farm last night and I was hopping the fence to go chase the sheep <laughs> and I, and I uh, cut myself on the wire fence.
1: Everything with that image is just wrong <laughs> and you deserve to get cut so that you can know in the future it's like touching the hot stove for the first time this burns like don't do that again i think that that cut ought to teach you that one you're not cut out to be on a farm or even near a farm or chasing sheep or anything like that so hopefully you learned your lesson
0: i saved that image for father jacob bertrand until just now mm. i didn't tell that that's straight up straight up cold start one thing that I will say, though, is that um, anyone who has romantic notions about what a shepherd is or what sheep are like needs to, like, go spend some time with them. Because those those romantic images of sheep being, you know, very beautiful and noble and all of that, you, you will be you will be quickly dissuaded from the from those lies. Uh, should you ever actually happen to do anything with sheep, mm. they're ex- they're extraordinarily difficult creatures.
1: I'll take your word for it. I don't. I don't have any inkling to go chasing after sheep, so uh, I'll trust you on this. How are things at the House of Studies, Father? Yeah, things are going well. Um, we our new class arrived here from the Novitiate um, almost a week ago now. Um, so the way we count years, the Novitiate doesn't count as a year, so their first years now that, that they're at the House, so the new first years are here. Um, the uh, the students, I guess, they have another week before classes start. I'm not not really sure because I'm not plugged into the academic calendar but I think it's another week Um, but then classes start so right now kind of gearing up for the academic semester in the house a lot of the friars finishing uh, putting final touches on classes students getting ready for that I guess as much as you get ready it's more of a waiting game than like actual preparation Um, but otherwise things are good we elected a new prior recently Um, just this past week or I guess a week ago now uh, father well not a new prior we re-elected uh, Father Aquinas Gilbo to serve a second term, so that's a great blessing for the house. Um, but that's really all that we have going on, just kind of gearing up for 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 the year um, and getting ready for that. So um, I imagine it, things are pretty similar at Providence College. Yeah, we're Sticking really ramping now. up. Yeah.
0: Um, you know we're we're doing everything, and, you know, and when I say everything, I'm not exaggerating. Everything um, that is possible to be able to receive and protect and retain our students this fall um they're coming some students are here already international students and students from hotspot states are quarantining um and uh, the campus has been transformed i mean some things that are uh, COVID measures um, are actually just lovely things for the campus so for example um, they're building two pavilions um, if you're familiar with providence college at all one is going to be Kind of by the library between the library and the chapel just across from mcdermott and then another is going to be down on the lower uh lower campus of the smith quad but like those pavilions would just be nice nice things to have um regardless of their their value uh, in these in these are COVID times but um you know so so some really substantial physical improvements like that plexiglass everywhere i mean you can imagine the whole thing but um there's a lot there's a lot of hope there's a lot of um there's a lot of positive uh a lot of positive thinking going on and we're just going to do everything that we can to um protect and instruct our students in person this fall that's great
1: yeah very cool
0: for me as someone who's been living on campus um you know for a year now and in the neighborhood much longer um it's really exciting to see people back again uh a a college campus for students is always a bit of a ghost town, and uh, it's it's been a long time, and, it, and it's just get it's just driving a lot of excitement to have people back around uh, because that's what Providence College is for, right? It's um, it's not just a playground for the friars that live there, <laughs> although we don't although we don't mind having a playground. It's quite nice to have a playground, but um, you know it's it's for this it's for this community it's for these students, uh, and so to see them coming back is really great. So today's episode though um, since we since I started talking about COVID measures which I try not to I actually do try not to but w- one thing that you maybe have been taking advantage of during uh, during these are unprecedented times maybe you didn't do it so much in precedented times is um, explore fiction you know that's a great advantage of uh, of the summer in general the opportunity to do some beach reading and otherwise but we we want to um, we want to present to you today to introduce you a little bit today to um, to a great writer. So sometimes um, people struggle struggle to think. Uh, well, what's 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 great? Uh, what's pleasant contemporary fiction? Some things are proffering morals that we just don't agree with. The storylines are uninteresting. Um, you can think of any any number of really popular novels, right? And um, wonder wonder why wonder why people are reading them and lament that they're they're not good for either mind or soul. Um, so so what is what is good for both what 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 is what is one person that offers um great fiction well um father jacob bertrand wants to introduce you today to uh, one of his favorite authors
1: yeah um so michael o'brien that's that's the gentleman's name uh he is um he's a canadian he's in his early 70s he was born in the late late 40s um so living uh as I said, in Canada, um, he's a convert to the faith too, which I think adds an interesting dimension a lot to, to his writings that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but he converted in his early 20s. And then what's also I find particularly interesting and particularly unique about, about O'Brien is that he, he I guess in a strict sense, he's not a trained writer and in fact he didn't begin writing until his mid 40s um so he didn't start writing young he didn't go to university to learn how to write novels or fiction or short stories or whatever but it was something that he picked up um i mean he's clearly a very very talented man very gifted but something you know it wasn't a lifelong career at this point he's been writing for 30 you know almost 30 years but it was something that he started uh in his in his mid 40s um so we thought that you know as as Father Patrick said that like trying in trying to find some good contemporary fiction some good contemporary um catholic writers perhaps is is a bit more difficult but O'Brien was somebody you know I was trying to think when um when and how I was introduced to him and I couldn't remember I know I was a Dominican mm. so it wasn't the order and I think it was at the house of studies and I think it was simply that there I had heard about I, perhaps his most popular book uh father elijah i think i he had heard about that and then we have we call it the book nook it's like a very it's a smaller library um on the floor where the student brothers live and i think there were some of his books in our in that library there and i was just looking for something to read and i picked it up um but that's i think Im- that's that's how i int- was introduced to him kind of that's accidentally. an important
0: point about uh dominican life in general it's sort of like a. Uh... It turtles, it turtles all the way down. It's just books all the way down. So there's a there's a man <laughs> there's the main library, at the House of Studies. There's the the third floor book nook. There are personal libraries and fire cells. There's like libraries and common rooms. It's it's books all the way down. Libraries yeah, mo- a libraries. lot of
1: the stuff that like isn't <laughs> worth keeping is still kept. So not everything that we have in our libraries and mm-hmm. I mean the the House Library and the book nook have pretty good are, are pretty solid. But the other places kind of sometimes it's less but less that's work- a great so point you, find- you just
0: sometimes you just come across something you know and really right. like it yeah we talk we talk a fair amount about um fiction and literature on on the show father jacob bertrand and i were chatting we we're trying to figure out um all the episodes that have been done usually father bonaventure and father gregory um pull out <clears throat> pull out the pull out the fiction episodes but they have great episodes about david foster wallace about well he was more of an essayist than a fiction writer but um flannery o'connor Uh, McCarthy, Dostoevsky and so so we've done Chesterton that's right Yeah, so we've done a fair a fair number of episodes about it but so thinking of thinking of those different episodes what do you think is the mark of the Jacob Bertrand of uh, Michael O'Brien's writing?
1: Yeah I think that there there are a couple things um I think to just to make a, a distinction for our own thought and for those of you listening, um, O'Brien writes both nonfiction and fiction. But as Father Patrick was just hmm. listing the other authors, we're we're gonna talk about his fiction and the way his fiction works. So he has a couple books and a bunch of essays um that are that are nonfiction. Um, so we're gonna leave that we're gonna table those. Ivan be honest I've only read one piece of his nonfiction, so I don't really know it terribly well at all um, but with respect to the fiction I think there are there are a couple things that at least will can kind of lead us into talk about some particular some of the particular works um, and at least by way of introduction I think there are two things that that I really like about O'Brien's books. And this might turn some people off right away, but that, that's just fine. It might attract others. The first and perhaps the most um, readily notable aspect or dimension of, of O'Brien's, did I just call him Father O'Brien? I don't think I did. Um, <laughs> he's not a priest. Uh, he has a son who's a priest, but he's not a priest. Uh, but the most, the, the most readily notable thing is that his books are big. They're, he writes sort of sagas and they're, they're long. They're huge. Um, some of them uh, are, are quite large, and those that aren't that large are often part of a series. So if you add the pages of the series up, they're big. Um, I myself, I really enjoy long novels because one of my favorite things to to with fiction is is has a lot to do with the characters, the character development, and that sort of thing. And I think it it's much h- harder, I think, to do that in something shorter, um, and perhaps not nearly as possible because of the investment i like to have that investment in the character and the character's life and that's something that o'brien focuses on um, and part of that i think or consequence of that is is the size of the novel so um they're kind of saga like books mm, um mm, mm. the other thing too is that he dabbles and and Different um, genres of writing, so in fiction, but in different types of writing, so for example, a few years ago he had uh, uh, he wrote a novel called Voyage to Alpha Centauri, um, which is kind of a sci fi novel um, It takes place in space um, so that but but that 's kind of the only book of his that does that and then there are other the father Elijah series um, is takes place in the twentieth century but begins kind of around in the 1940s so you have these these kind of uh this this vast difference of of where things happen my favorite novel by o'brien is um island of the world which takes place well it begins in the balkans in the 1930s but then goes through the late 20th century so you have these kind of sagas set in different times um that focus a lot of on the on on the character on the people um their relationship with faith that's sometimes explicit sometimes not um and uh kind of how they how they grow or or don't um and i i find that to be very interesting and very captivating in in a novel
0: mm-hmm.
1: one thing that i remembered
0: noting about father elijah is that um it it had these um protracted dialogues right um where you where you can see o'brien playing out and engaging um some some of the obvious contests with faith he's had in his own life so he's so it's not it's not um it's it's a kind of it's a kind of apologetic work, um, you know. T- to be very honest, as I experienced it, as he's thinking through different arguments for the faith, and how they play out in the experiences the experiences of belief, and that's only po- that's only possible. Those kinds of protracted dialogues are only possible if you're if you're writing the kind of lengthy saga, right? Um, you know, you c- yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry,
1: I was going to. I was, yeah, I was going to say that with sort of perhaps it would be helpful to situate some of like how these this series and how he writes how he's written his fiction um the he has what he calls the children of the last days series uh and that that's a series loosely speaking that that includes seven books so there are two sets of three and then a seventh book um so the one set of three they're called it's called strangers and sojourners plague journal and eclipse of the sun and those three novels take place in canada strangers and sojourners the first of those three um takes place when canada is kind of being settled so i i believe it's 19th century um and then the other but the other they're they're related by sort of descendants of the same family so you mm-hmm. see kind of remnants as you go through from the past novels um but they're they're kind of related that way. A Cry of Stone is the the one that sits on its own, and then the third uh, the third set here is 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 the Father Elijah series. That is perhaps his most popular. So Father Elijah, a convert Carmelite priest who's sent on a mission um, to basically preach against. Um, kind of the the Antichrist, who's kind of a political leader. So Sophia House is about his childhood. Father Elijah is like the main novel. And then Elijah in Jerusalem is about the last years of Elijah's life, Father Elijah's life. But all seven of those books together comprise a sort of um, kind of apocalyptic nearing end times kind of um, and loosely speaking um, series that kind of revolve around generally the same 50 to 75 years. So they're not all interrelated. Um, and then he has a whole nother set, a couple I've already mentioned. Island of the World stand on, stands on its own. Voyage to Alpha Centauri stands on its own. Fool of New York City stands on its own. So these other kind of individual novels. Um, so those, those individual ones tend to be longer the ones in the series, some are quite long, but like the Father and Elijah, Father Elijah, which is what Father Patrick just referenced, I know he's read, that's probably his most popular, not terribly long, but sits in a longer kind of series. Uh, yeah, so that kind of perhaps situates some of his work. He has a few more novels that I didn't list, but that's, those, are, those are some of them. Well, hopefully that
0: gives you at least an introductory sense. Um, uh, hopefully that presents to our listeners uh, who, O'Brien is and the kind of thing that he's about. Um, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about O'Brien's themes. You know, and really, really dig in a little bit um, to his literature and present um, a few of our favorite favorite moments and uh, uh, glimpses of what O'Brien's doing in his writing project. All right, we'll be back with you after this. This is God's planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast org slash Godsplaining. Well, welcome back, and um, thanks for joining us here on Godsplaining today with Father Patrick Briscoe and Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. We're talking about Michael O'Brien, the contemporary Canadian Catholic novelist. Uh, before the break, we were covering O'Brien's um, works and just sort of just sort of giving a glimpse of his project, the kinds of things he's done. And now after the break here, we want to we really want to dig into um, some of his themes um, and we can take a look at particular characters that we've enjoyed and so forth. So if, so if you have to say um, what, what you think one of O'Brien's great themes is Father Jacob Bertram, what would you say?
1: Yeah, perhaps this is a bit, too obvious, but it's worth talking about because it's a big thing, but is the way the way in which O'Brien uses faith, so as a as a Catholic novelist as um, a very from what I can tell um, a very devout and orthodox um, uh, man who loves our lord uh, that that faith is something that he works into into the novels in different ways, depending on what you're reading, what he's writing on. Um, I would say that. The, the two two ways in which he uses i don't want to, not in a sort of objectified way but uses faith in the novels, presents faith in his novels um, a kind of overarching way is that that the faith is often presented in in very subtle ways. you kind of have to look for it um you or um, look for the ways in which it's working sometimes there are obvious. Um, things so for example, um in island of the world there's a the Franciscan priest who is the parish priest of this of uh, Josip Lasta, who is the main character who the book follows, and the priest mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. very present in the beginning, but also he's present throughout the novel unless I guess, less direct ways as he, as, as the story goes. So that's very clear priest, Catholic faith, good priest, these kinds of things. Um, but the way in which the priest works into the, into the faith of the main character into the life of the main character is very different and very subtle. Uh, so that, that's one way. Um, the other thing is the, the imperfect reality of a person's faith. Father, uh, Father Patrick already mentioned with respect to father Elijah, um, the title of a book and also one of uh o'brien's characters how he has these sort of internal monologues about his his conversion his faith his struggles with faith his struggles with his sort of prophetic mission um but that's a that's a theme that that the novels bring out is is the imperfect reality of faith um with respect to the person but not with respect to god so not every it's it's not a disney movie not everybody is saved or healed or, or these sorts of things in direct ways but um I think does a good job. And I think this is the mark of a good author, especially a good Catholic author, that that um, we can talk about the things of the faith, but not have them be sort of direct catechesis. You know, the, the, it's, it's a novel, it's a story that he uses to bring out these, these ideas and these realities. There's one
0: moment. Um, so O'Brien has acknowledged uh, in different places that Tolkien is one of his major influences. Um, and uh, one of my one of my favorite moments uh, in all of all of Tolkien's writing is where um, Frodo, Frodo and Sam um, are, are they in Mordor and they they break down right they ju- they just can't go anymore um, and there's there's a whole crisis about um, about the contest of good and evil and whether or not good will actually good will actually triumph right um, and O'Brien O'Brien picks up on a very powerful conversation in Tolkien. Um, which we could do, a, we could do a whole episode on that moment if we wanted. But um, he he picks up on that and um, uses it in a couple different ways, and and re- recreates those moments in in his novels. So, for example, in a moment in Father Elisha, um, where Father Smith is is um, challenging this belief that that the good good will win out, Father Smith, um, Father Smith is just is ad- advocating this really negative view, right? Uh, not just negative, doubtful, um, you know, despairing view. And Father Elijah says, Father Smith, don't you think the truth will win in the end? Smith replies, will it? I don't know about that anymore. Elijah insists it will. You must trust. Smith says, trust? Look, you haven't learned anything from this. It's just been three years of sinking in quicksand. Nothing stops it. We just keep sinking and sinking. And Elijah insists, "There is a Lord. There is justice. He will vindicate you, even if all human agencies do not." So this is just one, like, little snippet, just to give you a little sense of um, the the what the the kinds of the kinds of questions that O'Brien is asking, and the way that he has his characters respond to it. And uh, I think this insistence on confidence in the Lord is a great example of how o'brien um, is an is an advocate for faith and trying to show characters who are really who are really despairing, it, but characters who somehow manage to cling to it
1: yeah, and I think that's that's um, a good sort of uh, way or a lens through which to see another one of his themes and that of suffering and the ways mm-hmm. in which his characters um, suffer for the faith but also suffer um for faith, if that distinguishes, I don't. I'm trying to think of a good way to say it. Like suffer to live the faith. You know, like if you take the father Elijah series, you see time and again. You know, he's called to be this sort of prophet, but in in kind of terrible circumstances, and he suffers for it in in very real ways. Um, and uh, you you see that it's not only a suffering in the sense of um, to to live the faith, but also to live one's call to sort of live um, with the sort of sufferings that life hands, hands you, um, my, I already mentioned my favorite novel by O'Brien is Island of the world, which follows this one man's life from his childhood through this horrific, um, childhood through his life and how that, you know, and then again, horrors as a young adult. And, um, the, the whole novel is basically watching how, how is this sort of battle in his life to, to believe or not to believe um how is it going to end how is this going to win who's going to win um because the sufferings are real and the sufferings are total and they're in some ways like overwhelming um but but o'brien has this way of painting it that it's that it's not fanciful though they may be extreme the suffering isn't Mm, fanciful right it's real right and it's human and the suffering then is is not a sort of um Not a sort of existential crisis in the sense of like nihilism or 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 like blind faith, but in the reality that uh, of of trying to find uh, hope and something through the suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, And not every character in O'Brien finds that, so it's kind of a a reality that is 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 painted into the um, into into the fiction, into the fantasy as well.
0: One of the one of the reasons why I liked Father O'Brien is because he um, Father O'Brien Father Elijah I did it. Just Sorry, then I put too, it in your head. Sure. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons why I like O'Brien's novel Father Elijah is because he's he's playing around with this great 20th century um, contest between uh, totalitarianism and the life of the individual. Other Catholic novelists do this too. I'm thinking like Lord of the World, which is such a great novel by Benson. It's one of Pope Francis' favorite novels. Um, or um, uh, or Kenkel for Leibowitz, which is another kind of sci-fi apocalyptic um, Catholic novel that that takes on this question of um, totalitarianism. Uh, that theme is so powerful because it, it's always it, it's present. It's very present in um, modern politics. the the risk The risk of an authoritarian state destroying the family, destroying the right to worship, just um, des- destroying the, the heart of Christian life. And um O'Brien takes that on in Father Elijah. Um, and I know for you, Father Jake Bertrand, that's a theme that you're very interested in and very sympathetic to. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's certainly in the in the Father Elijah and the whole Children of the Last Days series, those those seven novels that I mentioned in the first half of the episode, that's kind of the the reality that's happening. And those those first three, the ones that take place in Canada, Strangers and Sojourners, Plague Journal, Eclipse of the Sun, you see this. Kind of develop. so the first uh the first of the three is kind of canada being settled and the family it's all about this one family settling there particularly this one woman the mother um and how that family settles in the struggles of being in like the frontier and having a marriage that is broken but um you know all of that and and then you kind of go through and then the last eclipse of the sun it's there's there's it's, there's sometimes these strange realities qualities in or uh characters too and in, in the novels and eclipse of the sun the, the christ figure is this extremely um uh disfigured Infant child who is thrown away and found in the garbage and adopted by one of the main characters um but is very very strange you know so but and it's her trying to protect this child from the state that really wants to destroy him um that's part of the plot but it, it there's this um i guess bigger picture besides just the political thing but the the idea that's worked through a lot of the novels is that um that sort of contemporary mind, the sort of totalitarian control that diminishes the individual, actually diminishes human flourishing. So, to have a kind of hive mind about uh, about the world and about life, to sort of divorce oneself from faith, to divorce oneself from the Lord, um, actually results in the loss of the individual. The cure for this, often for O'Brien, is 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 not so much a destruction of the political unit. He's he's not kind of advocating uh, like a political takeover but is really found in in relationships particularly Mm. in friendships Mm. Um, so a lot of the novels uh, with this character development also focus on more than one character of friendships of people sort of bringing other people to 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 a sort of fullness of life, out of kind of the, the, the confines of of a sort of individualistic, narcissistic world. So, I think the great example here is this novel called "The Fool" or "Fool of New York City." Um, basically, the the premise is that the main character has suffered a, a severe bout of amnesia; doesn't know who he is. And this stranger, this kind of crazy homeless man. Um, finds him and kind of cares for him um and in through that relationship through kind of being a friend to someone who doesn't even know himself uh brings him along this this journey to find who he is i mean in journey i don't mean just kind of like some spiritual thing but like they find his license, his driver's license. So they go like to wow. where he's from and stuff yeah. like that. You know, so like that kind of thing. Um, so a literal kind of journey, but also the spirituality. But it only exists in these friendships, in these uh, in these realities. You see that with Father Elijah and the people in his life. You see this all through. I mean, sometimes it's family units, sometimes it's friends. But I think that's an, a really important part of O'Brien's writing, the, the interpersonal relationship leading on to the relationship with God, with growth and faith, with meaning and suffering, all of these things kind of come together in, in, in as, as a whole through the novels.
0: So as we, as we wrap up the episode, then can I ask you, Father Jacob Bertrand, um, if you had to say one character that O'Brien has created, uh, who is your
1: favorite? Who would you say? Um, yeah. So I, one character now, I'm thinking of two. I was going to say, Well, I have two. I don't think I, I have yeah, two. So All I, right. no, I'll you pick one. Two. I'll pick one. Um, so either the I'll say I'll pick one, I'll, I'll make a decision. Um, Joseph or Josip Losta, who is the main character of Island of the World, uh, All right. I mentioned Why? the book a few times, uh, because because he is a man who as i've already said has you know it suffers in ways that are sort of unimaginable Um, i don't want to give away the novel so it's kind of hard to explain why but suffers in ways that are unimaginable and yet and and in many ways um the suffering breaks him but not beyond kind of repair and he doesn't do anything he's not like a Father Elijah character that he's sort of sent on this great mission. He's not, um, in Voyage to Alpha Centauri, the main character is sort of this, this great scientist who helps discover this way to travel faster in space. And, and you know, they, they travel to another, um, another galaxy. Like, so he's not this kind of thing. He's just kind of this humble peasant from the Balkans. Um, and, and you watch the ways in which he suffers, but also the ways in which he loves and the ways in which he is still a man who is um who is selfless and even even in the smallest of ways um and he's a man that suffers until the day that he dies um but but there there's there's a perseverance there that is real but also beautiful and something to aspire to because um in many ways in the eyes of the world it's not great it's he doesn't do anything great um but it, in many other ways, in the ways that matter, he's he's a great man and a beautiful man. So he's he's my favorite. I guess I could say more, but I don't want to, I wouldn't want to spoil the, the 1500 page novel for whoever's going to be read it. <laughs> That's excellent.
0: Well, uh, we I hope that you, um, I hope that our listeners enjoyed this kind of introduction. You know, as you said, Father Jacob Bertrand, you found O'Brien by ravaging, you know, through you weren't ravaging by um browsing <laughs> through this little uh this little um home for homeless books on the on the third floor of the House of Studies. And maybe uh maybe one of one or two of our listeners will will really delight in having heard of this fellow and will will come to enjoy O'Brien's novels um, you know, as you have
1: yeah he's coming out with a new novel this year too so um, that might be something to look look forward to i don't remember the title i should have remembered it but i know that this year um coming out with a new one so might be a place to start for y'all
0: great um just a word of continued thanks um and support for god's planning uh we're putting together some merch so if you like the podcast enough to wear stuff with our name on it and tell people uh Tell people what it is. Um, that's coming soon. We uh, we've got our new website up. Maybe you have already taken advantage of checking out. It's uh, God's Planning. Uh, so you'll you'll find us on the internet, place where that we wasn't a website. Were you trying now. to tell them
1: a website? You just said the title of the. Podcast. Everybody uses
0: Chrome. You just put it in the. You just put <laughs> okay. it in the bar. You don't actually put a web. Who actually puts a web address in now?
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
0: um. So we've got the new website. We've got merch coming out. Um, I think that's exciting. The stuff's going to look nice. Um, Yeah. I'm looking forward Uh, to it. Yeah. But a word of continued thanks to those who listen and uh, support us. Um, You have anything going on this fall, Father Jacob Bertrand? Any announcements?
1: Let's see. So um, if you're a young man who thinks he might be interested in Dominican life, that's a great thing. check that out. We, we are planning with some, uh, safety precautions, et cetera, some changes, but to, to have our vocation weekends, um, those are on our website, um, vocations, that's how you announce a website now, I guess, by just saying the word. But you can find us online there in wow. September, November. <laughs> so much uh, shade. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Thomistic Institute and the vocation office, the province of St. Joseph, is hosting a retreat called Choosing Well on St. Thomas and the Virtue of Prudence and Decision Making here in D.C. at the end of October, All Saints Weekend. Um, so you can go on the, the Thomistic Institute website and check that out. That's open to everybody, men, women. Um, undergrads, grad students and young adults. um so you can apply there online. it should be a great weekend. Uh, but that's what that's what's coming down the pipeline for us. so Godsplanning.org.
0: There, there you, you go. happy there it is. now it's you can find it.org <laughs> All right everyone, god bless you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to God's a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.